I want to begin uh, this morning by looking at 1 Timothy 3, which actually I think fits with what we're going to be talking about. So we'll start looking at uh, teaching and preaching um, and how to develop a, a sermon or, or a lesson that's um, straight from the text, exposited from the text of Scripture. Uh, and so in the Lord's uh, providence, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 3 for a Scripture reading, verses 1-7, through 7, talking about the qualifications of an elder. So we're going to begin there this morning. We'll read it, pray, and, and then get into our lesson. Paul writing to Timothy says, It is a trustworthy saying. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but considerate, peaceable, free from the love of money, leading his own household well, having his children in submission with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to lead his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach, and into the snare of the devil. Father, we do want to commit this morning to you. Lord, we thank you uh, for the opportunity that we have to gather together as men. Uh, Lord, to sharpen one another as we begin to dive into your word, uh, to consider how we might more faithfully teach it in the various different contexts that you uh, put us in. Uh, so, Father, we just pray that this would be helpful uh, this morning, encouraging. Uh, Lord, to continue to deepen the relationships that are here. We thank you for them. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to begin. There's a few verses at the top. We're um, page 66, if you got your Grace and Granite uh, notebook. So he's got a few passages for study here at the beginning. One is Ezra. Uh, the other is Titus 2.15, which is talking about preaching and exhorting with all authority. Um, well, We'll begin with James 3, chapter 1, <clears throat> which I think is the right place we want to begin, where James is about to go into the dangers of our tongue in words um, and understanding that teachers uh, use more words um, in front of people. Uh, he gives a warning. He says, Do not many of you become teachers, my brothers knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. Um, and so understanding that, I don't think he's necessarily trying to, he's not trying to discourage anyone that should be teaching, or he's not trying to discourage, for example, a father from teaching his children, any, anything like that, but more the office of standing up and in, in preaching and teaching within the church. This is something that we want to take um, with the utmost seriousness. Because of what we are called to do, a teacher could use his words wrongly. He could teach wrongly. Or, for example, looking at First Timothy three, he could not live up to the qualifications, um, and therefore it could cause a lot of harm uh, in the church. Uh, people could follow him in the wrong way, or they might fall away as a result of his uh, lifestyle and a lack of living up to the qualifications. Um, we also want to make sure that when we're teaching, we are teaching what is in 
the text. And so not many of you should become teachers could also refer to just the simple fact of if you're not yet ready to teach, um, if you're not confident that you can stand up there and say, this is what the text says, uh, then you need to receive the, the warning uh, and do a little more study. Uh, and so basically what we're going to go over today is just some of how you would go about uh, faithfully preparing a lesson um, or a sermon uh, in whatever context that you're, you're in. And so if the Lord gives you an opportunity to stand up and, and do this, then you know, perhaps this would be uh, helpful to you. And I would say even regardless if you don't, um, approaching God's Word in this way um, is going to be helpful for your, your own personal sanctification. So, we'll get into it, developing clear and compelling sermons. First step, we're going to look at the introduction. And so, when you're putting together a lesson, uh, you want to obviously begin with the front porch, okay? And so, before you go into the main area of the house, the front door, you need a front porch. Even though we don't have a lot of front porches these days, we should, Right? And so this is the place where you're going to hang out a little bit. People are going to get comfortable uh, with you. They're, they're going to maybe understand why they should go into this house. Uh, you're going to make it feel inviting, all of that kind of thing. And so he says the main idea behind an introduction is to set up the passage effectively um, for your audience. And a couple of things that I thought we would do this morning. One, for our discussion questions uh, we're going to be looking at a, a passage, and then I'm just going to have you guys at your table uh, work through some of this stuff. But I thought as I go through this with you, you know, maybe we could just have 1 John, so you can turn there, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, just kind of as a, a case study that we could bounce around some things as we're looking at this. So it's 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Um, <clears throat> so there's definitely some preachers that are way better at this than others. Um, trying to think of, there was a, a recent a podcast where, uh, talking about John MacArthur, this is the MacArthur Center podcast, and Austin Duncan is talking about a sermon that MacArthur preached at a shepherd's conference. Um, and the sermon's talking about two men. I forget what the one guy's name was, but it's Billy Graham and his friend, and, and both of them are kind of rising in the ranks together, only the, the guy, Billy Graham's friend, is basically like better, a better preacher, all of this kind of thing. Um, and then all of a sudden, this guy's friend drops off, <clears throat> and he's, he's no longer walking with the Lord. And MacArthur just kind of leaves it there, um, and that's his introduction. And so you see, he's basically pulling his audience in, and, and now he's going to create the problem and the reason you know, for why we must study the passage or whatever. Um, and so with 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, you know, obviously what you want to do when you look at a passage is try to figure out you know, what is the one main thing that this is saying. Uh, you could, of course, look at it and say there's a lot of things that's going on here. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare it to you. I mean, you could just have a sermon on that. What is that message? Um, okay, well, that's going back to before, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. God is light, 
Uh, okay, so there's a truth. What does that mean? I mean, that's referring to God's holiness, His purity, His glory, uh, all of those kinds of things. In Him, there is no darkness. Uh, you might think of going over to, to James, where God does not tempt with evil, um, those types of things. So you're, you're looking through here and you're, you're, you're asking yourself, what is the one main truth? And so, you know, maybe hearkening back to a couple weeks ago in Ephesians, uh, you're just going to pull out the idea of light uh, and you're going to start talking about light from different angles. And so, um, as opposed to darkness. And now the importance in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so maybe you set up a situation in your introduction um, of what could go wrong when someone is saying that they're walking in the light, but in reality they're walking in the darkness. Um, and the dangers of that kind of lifestyle. Or maybe you talk about someone that you've known uh, growing up, and this person you would have thought was a Christian, and you were buddies together and, and all of this, and then all of a sudden he goes off in a complete dark direction. Um, and thinking back to maybe conversations you could have had or whatever, and so you're trying to think of ways how can I show the people that are here why this is relevant uh, to them? Those are the kind of questions uh, that you're asking. He says, people are coming from different backgrounds and experiences throughout the week. Um, they need to be transitions from what they were doing into the Bible lesson. Understanding as a teacher, you spent lots of time with this. You, you know what you're about to say, but they have no idea. And so you don't want to just start out 100 miles an hour. Uh, you want to lead them on kind of like an on-ramp um, onto your sermon passage. And so prepare them in that way. As you come up to the text, though, um, that's Sunday morning or whenever it is that you're teaching. Now, there's some things that you're going to want to be doing. And of course, the very first thing you want to do when you open up your Bible to prepare a lesson is just to begin to pray and to ask the Lord to help you. Um, this can be something, I confess, that can be forgotten. Um, and when it is forgotten, then you need to go back and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> and because you should not be depending upon your own strength when studying God's Word. Uh, there's a an antidote about George Whitfield. I don't know how true this is or not, um, but that when he was studying God's Word, he would basically pray over each word in the passage that he was about to, to preach and just say, Father, give me light. Help me to understand what you're saying. And, and that's the kind of attitude that we should be having. Secondly, you want to begin to study the text. Um, and ask questions of it. Um, and, you know, I kind of did that just with First uh, John 1, 5. Uh, this is the message. Okay, well, what, what message is he talking about here? Um, that we've heard from him. Who's him? Okay. Well, I mean, in the context, that's Christ. You, you know, it's a, um, it, it says in verse 1, from the beginning we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we've beheld, touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So you're beginning to ask questions um, of this uh, text so that you might understand it. When you don't know the answer to those uh, questions, then of course you want to, result to or resort to commentaries. 
I, the amount of resources that we have today uh, is almost unlimited. Uh, you can look at, at commentaries. There's, there's expositional commentaries. There's, there's ones that are more exegetical where they get more into the Greek and those types of things. You could go listen to a sermon. And, and I would highly recommend uh, to any of you um, just to listen to a sermon to learn from how they do it. Um, and one thing that we had to do when I was in seminary, let's say I'm preaching from this passage, that's the assignment. Uh, the teacher would say, I want you to listen to three guys uh, teach that sermon. And inevitably, it's very different and yet the same if it's a faithful expositor. There's going to be some similarities. There's going to be some main truths that they're pulling out. But the way they approach it is very different. Um, and in many areas of life, things that we're called to do, when you're learning it, one thing you want to do is find someone who knows how to do it. Uh, when I waited tables in, in college, the method was, okay, I want you to follow this person around. Um, you're going to watch them. And then when you start getting it down, they're going to watch you. Um, and you're watching them because you want to know how do they do it. And I would just encourage you, one thing that will be a huge help is watch someone. Look at how they did it. How, how did they introduce this passage? Um, maybe I want to kind of use that and, and twist it, use it as my own a little bit. How, how do they transition from that passage to the introduction? You're, you're starting to learn how to teach in an effective way. Um, so as you study the text in depth, one thing that's going to begin to happen is you're going to start thinking through implications. Uh, these are truths that are um, implied by the text. And what you want to do is imply those or apply those to your own um, heart. If we say we have fellowship with Christ, uh, and every teacher should be saying that, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not do or practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. So you might just start thinking to yourself as you're looking at this, am I doing that? Is there any area of my life that's that's in the darkness? And maybe that's not some kind of moral disqualification, um, but maybe it's just simply some things that you need to talk through with your wife that are going on in, in, in your heart or, or whatever. Or maybe you start to realize, you know what, I'm not really walking in the light with other brothers in Christ. And, and there's just not a lot of people that, that know me. And why not? If I'm walking in the light, shouldn't that be the case? And shouldn't people know about what's going on in my life? And why am I able to do that? Because there's no shame. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And so even if you might have something, you will have something to confess that's not right in your life that, or that you need to do better in, whatever it is, you can do that because Christ's blood is covering you. There's no shame. You can boldly go before the throne of grace. Now, I say that to say you're going to be able to preach that or teach that with greater effectiveness and passion if you've done that and if you've lived out that lesson. Uh, you may even have some, some other antidotes to share with people as a result of living out that lesson. And so you're beginning to apply it to your own life and to pull out the implications 
um, of the text. Um, you might say he, he has some questions here, and so here's kind of the thing. Not only writing questions in terms of what you don't understand, but also what this might mean. What ways do I sin against this truth? Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, well, maybe you're not going around saying, I'm perfect, but maybe you had a conversation with your wife and you essentially kind of denied this truth. <laughs> you're just not honing up to what she's trying to bring to you, right? Um, and so, yes, there's some ways that I struggle with this truth. Okay, so what is it that makes it hard for me to confess sin? You're just beginning to ask questions of the text. I'm proud. That hurts. I mean, that's the reality. I'm, I am a proud man that I, I can't listen to my wife when she brings things uh, to me. What does this mean? I need the light of God's Word to expose me, to humble me. Uh, well, here we are. God is light. In Him is no darkness. And so, by the time you get to the end of the text, you're starting to realize there's no escaping this text. At the beginning, okay, God is light. Uh, we need to walk in the light. Okay, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. You're getting to the end, and, and you're starting to realize as you really think through the depths of this, I've got a lot of darkness in me. Um, and you know what? Here's the great thing about preaching. If you just preach it to yourself, you're basically going to hit everybody else. <laughs> because we all have a human heart uh, that is all sinful. And so you're thinking through, and this is why he's doing what he's doing, how you struggle, how you need to change. And not to say that you're going to bring every specific application to the table and tell them about every little an awful thing going on in your life, but you'll know how to preach to the heart. Um, you know, you start thinking through the fruit of submitting to this, the idols that this is exposing, just asking questions of the text. And so as you've started to do that, now you're going to be able to think through how this is going to be um, applicable to them, why this is important to whoever it is that is before you. As you've studied it, you're beginning to ask questions of the text. Uh, fellowship, okay, so you take that word. What does fellowship mean biblically? Uh, koinonia, what, what is that talking about? Cleanses, you're, you're thinking through that word. You're looking it up. You want to know exactly what that means. What are some synonyms? You're seeking to understand it. You know, as you're using words, you're wanting to make sure that they understand. Confess, okay, we say that word. What is that really talking about? So you're asking those questions. You're beginning to understand it. You know, you're looking up cross-references to light. Um, we could go to Ephesians like we just talked about a couple weeks ago. It's going to have a lot to say about light. You're beginning to understand it. Now what you want to do is build some kind of an outline. Um, <clears throat> so in an outline, two, three, four points, whatever it may be, but here's, here's the way that a lot of people miss it, and certainly I sometimes miss it. You want one main point that every point within your sermon is driving at, whatever that may be. Um, and so a lot of times what I do in outlines is I'm looking for the verbs. 
and the verbs are, are what we should do. You know, so if we say we have fellowship with him, why walk in the darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, as I'm just looking at this right now, I didn't pre-think it, um, but I might be thinking, what are some characteristics of walking in the light, or what's some fruit, or what's some benefits of walking in the light? Maybe benefits is the word, and that's what you're going to be talking about, the main point, benefits of walking in the light. So here we go. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Um, right there. Uh, walking in the light would also um, be a confession of sin. Uh, it's going to help us to understand how faithful he is to forgive us our sins, you know, whatever it may be. You're, you're looking for a noun, um, a command, a, a verb, whatever that is, that everything's going to drive into, um, that you can fill three points in, two points in, whatever that is. Once you have that, benefits of walking in the light, maybe right now we're just going to do two. We have fellowship with Him and with one another. We're forgiven from sin. There you go, three. Fellowship with God, others, and forgiveness of sin. Now you're going to start to think, okay, what are some other places I can go in Scripture to, to help this? Um, I'm thinking fellowship. Maybe you go back to, to Acts and you look at fellowship in the early church and, and what that meant. Um, uh, maybe you go back uh, to the one another's. But there's just all kinds of places that you could go. And in some sense, you're always going to have more than you could say and that's why when you're crafting something, you've got to be disciplined to make sure that it's all pointing in the same direction. Benefits of walking in the light. That's what you're aiming for. And if you'll do that, it's going to be more clear to your audience. If you know what you're saying, it's going to be more clear to them. And so you've got to outline. <clears throat> um, you've got your main point, um, which is kind of a propositional statement. So you, know, you might say, right here, John is going to give us three benefits of walking in the light so that we're encouraged to walk as children of light just as he's commanded. You've got your main point. There's the benefits. You've got your three points that go under that, okay? Um, three benefits. And then you always want to give them a so that. So why does this matter? So that we avoid the darkness. So that we walk just like he walks, so that we live out the calling, whatever it is, uh, so that they understand uh, what, why is this important. Um, and you're seeking to drive these things from the text. And now as you're going through it and you're beginning to craft it, uh, you want to do things like he has uh, here. I think we're still in the introduction, right? Is that right? I don't even know where we're at, but somewhere. C. <clears throat> um, we're in C. And so we're looking at it, an introduction, bringing a sense of urgency, compelling people to study. Um, and here's some of the things that you're thinking through in three under C. Uh, problems that the text will solve. You know, we talked about that a little bit. How the passage is working on your own heart. You're thinking through analogies, um, illustrations in human history. And so the, the MacArthur one I gave you at the beginning, that's basically an illustration 
to help bring people to the text. A, a penetrating uh, question uh, here. Um, you know, so are, even just asking a simple question as you're, you're starting to teach through this, so are you walking in the light? Or are there some areas in your life where there's still a little bit of darkness? Why, why is it that children of the light allow the darkness to reside? I mean, you're just asking questions of people, and what you're doing when you do that is you're helping them to own the text. Um, and you're helping them to think through why this is important for their own uh, life. Hopefully giving room for the Holy Spirit uh, to help them make specific changes. Um, even just this last week, uh, someone told me that there was a, an incident that happened here at church, um, and I think it was during their first service. And then during the second service, the person who was involved was listening. Uh, their phone was off. They had actually got a text about needing to, to go make this right. But their phone was off, so they didn't get it. But then during the sermon, they were convicted, and they went and made it right. <laughs> and so you just... You never know. The Holy Spirit is using God's Word. I don't know about that. A lot of other people don't know about that. But the Holy Spirit knows about that. And in faithfully teaching what the Bible says, that's where the power of the authority is. He's going to use that uh, to help conform us into His image and to bring us more into the light, whatever that is. Uh, a couple more things we could say before I, I kind of let you guys get into it. Um, and I think that'll probably be the main benefit is just looking at this together this morning. Um, two here, he says, transition, move from the introduction into the body of the sermon. And so I've talked about this a, a little bit already, but as you've introduced and whatever you've used, at some point now you've got to get into the main point of the sermon, um, the main body of the sermon. And <clears throat> you hear me do it every Sunday where I'll kind of transition into something, and then I'll say that propositional statement, like I just said you know, this morning, John's going to give us three benefits of walking in the light uh, so that <clears throat> we can begin to look more like Jesus Christ, wh whatever it is. So let me give you the first one. You know, so there you are. You're into the first uh, point. You've made your main truth claim. You've answered the question. You've given them a, essentially a plan. Um, and what are you doing when you're giving them a plan? I mean, you kind of picture your audience like you're all on a ship together. You're the captain of the ship, okay, so you're driving it. So unfortunately for them, I mean, they're along for the ride no matter where you go in this thing. And so as you're transitioning from the introduction to the main body, you want that to be smooth. And so if you think about you're driving the bus or the ship or whatever it is, if you turn real sharp, you're probably going to like have some people fly overboard. And you've just lost half your audience. But if you nice and slow turn, they're with you. They know where you're going. They're on board. They want to go there too. And so you're just explaining, this is where we're going. This is why we're going this way. I would love for you to come with me. Don't jump off the ship. Now you're going to see people, and they're going to jump off the ship because they're going to go sleep or whatever it is. And that's going to happen. You can't necessarily control that. Um, but you do want to aim to be as effective as you can. You don't want everybody jumping off the ship, in other words. 
Um, and if you're like Josh over here and you're teaching middle school, those kids will let you know. You know, adults don't let you know, but they'll let you know if, if they're not paying attention. Uh, and so that's a great place to, <laughs> to practice um, teaching. And so then you get into your, the body of the message here. Uh, we're looking at explaining, arguing, illustrating. You're explaining each point as it is. You're deriving it from the verse. Uh, one thing that I was told early on in my ministry, I was given Isaiah 53 to teach, um, which obviously is you know one of those T-ball sermons. You just tee it up and hit it off. It's already there for you. Um, and at the end of it, the pastor came up to me and he said, you know, that was, you had a lot of great things that you were saying, but you never showed them where you got it. You need to take them back to the scripture, take them back to the verse. And I thought, yeah, that, that was a fail. <laughs> um, and I say that to say when you're, when you're teaching through the main body, you know, benefit one um, is... If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And, and so you're going to read the verse. You know, It says right here in verse 7, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Um, and so you're showing them where it is. Um, and then you're deriving the, the main truth claim from that. And that's where I would start looking at what exactly is biblical fellowship. And talking through that. People are going to come with all different ideas. You want them to come with the biblical idea or leave with it uh, anyway. Uh, so I think that's probably enough to uh, get us into it. Um, I mean, it gives them... I, I, right now I'm deciding in my mind, should I just finish this part? Maybe I should. Maybe a few words just about these last couple of things here. Um, illustrations. Um, I would just say the more that you illustrate, the, the better you will get at it. And sometimes your illustrations will fall flat. Sometimes they won't. Um, but if you'll use the Bible to illustrate, this is going to be good practice. And so the Bible is full of illustrations, uh, full of word pictures um, here. And I mean, just take the word light. And in the word light, there's a thousand different illustrations that can help shed light on what true fellowship is. And you know, you know what? True fellowship is in the light. If I turn the lights off right now, it would be hard for us to see one another, to talk to one another. We're going to run it into each other. But if I turn on the light, now all of a sudden we, we can see, we can talk. I know when you're talking, you know when I'm talking. I, I can see when there's mud on your face, it needs to be you know, slung off. You, you know? And this is like God's Word. It shines light on our lives and now we're able to see each other as we, you know, and so you're just, you're, you're just one word. And if you begin to think through the implications of that word, you're starting to illustrate to people something that their minds can grab onto. Um, and then he has a few words about implications, applications. Um, put yourself in the shoes of the original here, page 69. What perspectives should be challenged to them? Uh, what was John after with that original audience? Um, make it your goal, he says, under implication number four, to put the truth in the minds of your hearers and let it confront them, uh, to confront uh, idolatries uh, that may be going on. 
um, a love of self uh, would keep you from walking in the light. You don't want to be seen a certain way. Um, pride, all that. Selfishness. Now, preaching should not be, this is huge, just informational. Um, you're not just data dumping. Uh, you could bring all kinds of facts and information about this. But here's the thing. Anybody could go and get that. Uh, you're wanting to impress it upon their lives. Um, and so you preach it in that way. As you begin to get to the end, you're going to summarize, maybe say again what you've just said. And maybe it's as simple as re- repeating those three points um, and, and then kind of summarizing it, wrapping it all up. Um, and then basically what he has here at the end is a bunch of things just to say, preach it. <laughs> Uh, bring it. Very first sermon I ever preached here at Believers Fellowship, a candidating sermon. And we're in that building. And I was about to preach on uh, John uh, 3. And I'm sitting down, and I'm nervous as all get out. And Bruce had introduced me, and he comes and he sits back down. And he just looks over to me and he goes, Bring it. <laughs> and that's, you know what, whatever you got, that's what you should be doing. Just bring it. Um, you know, you're at the start of a line, the gun's about to go off, run. Uh, and, and that's what you want to do with all your heart or whatever that is. So, you know, my prayers, the Lord would continue to, to build up uh, and develop uh, more preachers and teachers here at Believers Fellowship. And so I would just encourage you men, as you get opportunities to do that, um, as the Lord lays that on your heart, it's not going to be perfect. None of us are ever going to be perfect. Um, But take those opportunities and continue to to hone that gift, even if that's within your family. I mean, I'm not suggesting Bible quiet time with your kids that you (laughs) exposit a 40-minute sermon. Don't do that to them, okay? But take opportunities to study God's Word, um, and to teach it, um, and get feedback along the way. So hopefully this was helpful. I think we've got a few more lessons in regards to this. So let me pray, and then we'll get into our questions. Father, we do thank you uh, just for your Word that's clear. Uh, Father, amazing that you have allowed us the opportunity uh, to be in, in one sense vessels for your Word and to teach it. Lord, we just want to be faithful um, with it as we can be. Uh, Lord, we want to grow in our ability and knowledge of your word, our ability to teach your word. And so, Father, I pray as we sit around our tables, as we look at your word, use this first to encourage our own hearts, and and Lord, to help us develop uh, into men who can accurately teach your word to those that you have placed um, under us and have given us the opportunities to do so. So, Father, again, we thank you. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.